creating and rekindling memories. NHR. Oh, I love that song. Uh, one of many great songs that Johnny Hates Jazz had out in the, the 80s. Uh, and normally we play Turn Back the Clock when the clocks go back. Uh, but uh, they got an- another song um, to play. Uh, that is I Don't Want to Be Hero. And uh, I'm pleased to say that uh, we're speaking to the lead singer, uh, the, the pin-up poster boy of Johnny Hates Jazz, Mr. Clark Datchler. Good morning, Clark. Good morning, Kev. How's life? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Now, I'm, I'm so glad that we've managed to get hold of you because in the 80s, I, I ran a mobile disco. I was always playing Johnny H's jazz records. And now, to the, at least once a year, uh, we, we get to play, you know, Turn Back the Clock and stuff like that. Uh, so this gives me another reason to, for playing some more Johnny H's jazz um, records. So thank you for joining me. Um, I'm, I'm gonna You're welcome. T- I'm going to take you back in time a little bit because you were born into a musical family. Um, because you, well, obviously you know that. Um, because your dad, Fred, he was part of the 1950s vocal group, the Stargazers. Now, for people who can't remember the Stargazers, they had hits with stuff like "I See the Moon" and "Broken Wings," and uh, they, they sort of backed so many big names. So, was a career in music sort of always on the cards for you then? No, definitely not. In fact, my father cautioned me against pinning all my hopes on being in music because he knew how tough it was and he was right <laughs> he was right to to uh to make me aware that it was not going to be a walk in the park and and the good thing about that was that when i decided that that was going to happen that's what i wanted to do um it made me very determined and and to be prepared that i was going to have to knock on a lot of people's doors and have to play Various labels, a lot of demo tapes before, uh, it, which is how you used to get noticed back in those days. Um, before uh, I might, might, might just have uh, a fortunate break, which which did eventually come. Uh, Johnny hates jazz, of course, was, was sort of the big break because I know that you'd released a single when you were about seventeen uh, years old. Which, uh, I mean, what happened to that single? Uh, are there stacks of the, this single sort of in somebody's loft that is just waiting to be sold on, on eBay? The, the single was called You Fooled Him Once Again. What happened to that record? Uh, well, that that was an interesting one. Yeah, my first single was released on an um, uh, 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 independent R&B label in London. And I had a couple of members from Aswad playing on that. Not, I didn't arrange that. It's the label arranged it. So it was all, it was all uh, quite exciting for me at the time. Um, I, I think it's now on an album called, um, Funk Classics Volume 1 or Volume 2. Um, it was, I was a real soul boy back then. So, um, it gave me a huge amount of experience though, because I, it was the first time I'd really performed to a lot of people. I performed at, um, you know, various large venues around London and, um, it kind of, it, in some ways, it eventually led to Johnny Hates Jazz because it was through releasing that record that I was noticed by a guy called Rusty Egan, who is from the band Desage. Yeah. And Rusty kind of took me under his wing and introduced me to the electronic world, electronic music. And um, <clears throat> we worked together on some recordings, one of which led to me joining a band that contained... Um, Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols, James Stevenson from Generation X and Gene Loves Jezebel, and Calvin Hayes, who was one of the founding members of Johnny Hates Jazz with me and Mike Nacito several years later. So 
it, it, all these things are interconnected. That never things never happen in isolation in music. Well, Johnny A's de- Jazz uh, was formed, and uh, was was big in the late eighties. Nineteen eighty six was uh, the the year that Johnny A's Jazz was formed, uh, and on the sort of you were sort of one of those sort of um, poster, yeah, the poster boy type, the pretty boys things. That's uh, magazines like Smash Hits always picked up on you were on the cover of Smash Hits and lots of other of those uh, magazines at the time. Now, uh, for anybody again who can't remember Smash Hits. Hold on, these listeners. Um, that was a sort of a, a magazine where you'd looked for the interviews and a lot of the interview questions were a lot of the time quite dumb, uh, let's just say. What, what I mean, what were the worst questions that you had to answer in one of these sort of magazine interviews? Because they, they, I know from reading them myself, there were a lot of daft questions like what's your favourite colour shirt and stuff like that. So what were the daft questions that you were asked? Well, probably the shirt colour was one of them. I don't really remember too much about those interviews, but there was always a a kind of an angle of, for example, um, I think there was one where I was dressed up almost like a, a, a mafioso figure. Uh, and I was asked if I could be, you know, a, a, a cast member of The Godfather, what, what would it be? I think it was that kind of thing. And... And yes, the, the general thrust of those magazines was to talk as little about music as possible. It was it was very much about personalities and really was a forerunner to social media in terms of his interest in uh, finding out, I guess, the more kind of shallow side of an individual rather than something deeper. Um, but, uh, you know, smash hits and number one and all that kind of thing, it, it in a way, it served its purpose. It, these things are always double-edged swords, you know, because, of course, you wanted to reach people. In the, in, again, days before social media, you really didn't have many avenues except radio was the big one, um, TV to a degree, if you, could, if you were lucky enough to get that, and, and the, the music press. And uh, it, it, back then, um, music was very tribal. So... You know, you if you got backed by things like smash hits, the serious music press, in quotes, like Sounds and NME <clears throat> and Melody Maker, traditionally wouldn't touch you. Uh, we were an exception, though, because NME gave us the best interview and review we'd ever had um, after doing all of that smash hit stuff. So um, I think at the end of the day, the music spoke louder than anything of that nature. Now then, um, with sort of the coming uh, coming of uh, time, uh, people sort of discover that there is a human being behind that pop persona as well. And one thing that uh, I, I didn't know this until I started looking into it with, with yourself. I mean, over the years, we, we've learned to recycle and harness natural energy with solar panels and stuff. But you built a recording studio in the States, which is solar powered. I mean, d- does that hold enough power to be operational all year round? Do you still have that studio? I don't still have that studio. No, I, I, I sold it when I returned to the UK um, and actually rejoined Johnny Hates Jazz. This was in an era when I was um, mainly focusing on solo work. And yeah, I, I had been very involved in the environmental movement. I helped found a, uh, a, an environmental awards ceremony in Berlin, uh, which is now the biggest environmental awards ceremony in Europe uh, called the Green Tech Festival. And... Um, and the, the studio and home that was solar powered that I built in the US um, absolutely had power year round. I mean, 
firstly it was built in arizona so there's an awful lot of sun uh, <laughs> we have to yeah. we have to think about that fact but um the fact is that solar panels have evolved you know where they're they're actually generating power uh, in cloudy skies now and um it's for me it was an absolutely amazing experience to have a studio that was completely off-grid this place was completely off-grid it was relatively remote uh, we had our own water supply and um and it was an elaborate studio and i recorded an album there called tomorrow which is an environmentally themed album uh, which is actually about to become available again on my own website after some time um it, i think it was way ahead of its time you know the whole subject of climate change is now talked about you know readily on the evening news back then 2006 2007 um it was still fairly fringe but um you know it, i <clears throat> i could see the writing on the wall like a lot of people could in terms of what we were doing to the planet and i thought making an album about it was the least i could do and which is what i did now then uh, recording to uh, to bring sort of people's attention to to things like that is, is something that's again it's come full circle because your latest single um uh, i mean it, have you got a, a sort of single or is it a virtual single Can, you know it, it's nice to hold an actual cd in your hands but uh it is it sort of just available online and stuff like that yeah it's it is one of those tracks just digital only and um you know, the, 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 the idea of releasing physical singles, whether CD or vinyl these days, is, is, is it's a very expensive thing to do just for one single, especially as most of us are independent recording artists now. Um, we don't have the, you know, the whole weight of a, of a record company behind us. So Shadow Dreams of Ukraine is my new single, um, which is a charity single, um, a brand new recording of Shattered Dreams, uh, or I say brand new, I'd actually recorded a lot of it already, but I finished it off when the idea of creating a charity record for Ukrainian refugees came about. And this particular track is is there to raise money for an incredible organization called Poland Welcomes. And they are a charity that started literally the day of the invasion, the Russian invasion into Ukraine. They weren't a charity before, they are a group of former high school friends who suddenly saw hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian refugees pouring into Poland in desperate need and decided to do something about it. Um, and they now run four very sizable refugee shelters, giving them food, clothing, psychological support, and critically protection. Um, because a lot of these um, refugees are women and children. And um, I, I, every time you play out of dreams of ukraine on the streaming services or if you download it or if you watch the video that alone does not raise much money unfortunately <clears throat> the revenue from those things is very minimal but it still goes to the charity the thing that i'm encouraging people to do even though it's a big ask in these days is to you know have a watch of the video go online look it's under clark bachelor not johnny h jazz everyone needs to remember that look for clark bachelor on youtube on facebook you'll find me clark bachelor official and have a look at the video and if you're moved make a donation to poland welcomes you can find them at www.polandwelcomes.org and you'll find if you go there it's a lovely website it explains what they do it's very touching i've been to visit them in eastern poland to see what their operation is and they're an incredible group of people doing very very important work so 
Yeah, I hope Shattered Dreams of Ukraine, this this new um, uh, this new arrangement of Shattered Dreams, a more soulful arrangement, will will actually touch enough people to to make a difference. I think if anybody uh, sort of look, looks at the video that's been made um, of this this new track, I don't think there will be any question about them not being moved. Uh, about it because I mean we, we see on the television and even this morning before I came out uh, there, there was news from Ukraine and you know the, the amount of sadness and th this sort of thing that that's forced upon people and yeah anybody who's got kids or you know anything like that you cannot help but be touched by the horror that they're going through and I think for anybody uh, who can raise money uh, donate money or you know something like that just to help a little bit, uh, it, it's all worthwhile. And I'm so pleased that you touched on the streaming thing as well because uh, I know that recently Sir Cliff Richard has uh, sort of added his name to the list of people who are, are not happy about the, the, the sort of the revenue that's sort of gained for artists through these streams. It, it's pennies, um, it, it is. I mean, what, what are your thoughts um, ab about, you know, sort of people who, who go on and, and they stream and a fraction... Um, of sort of the money earned only goes to the artist. And it makes you think nowadays, you know, how is an artist even going to get started, a young artist, never mind an accomplished artist, uh, just by that little bit of money that goes um, you know, from streaming? Um, what are your thoughts on that and you know, how it can be made a bit more profitable, if you like, for, for artists like yourself? Well, I think there's a, there's a lot of secrecy surrounding how the streaming deals were struck between the streaming companies like Spotify and Apple Music, um, Tidal, you know, whoever it is, and the major record labels. So <clears throat> uh, to, a, to a degree, we have to remember that when we think about streaming and this idea of democratization of music, that is a lie. That thing never happened because the major labels only allowed their catalog, their, their big name albums to be part of the streaming services as long as they could have a piece of the pie, as long as they could own part of those different organizations. So it's, it, this thing is not separate from the, the, what we would think of as the traditional music industry. They're still playing the same game where they'll, they'll hold up a, very small handful of artists, even smaller now than used to be in the past, to say, look how good streaming can be for people. They've made a fortune. Um, but the way streaming revenues are, are are calculated means that most people, no matter how many streams they get, see literally a few pounds from it. It's, it's nothing. So most musicians cannot support themselves, which is why musicians play live so much and even then it's very expensive to perform live this idea and this image that we all grew up with you know the successful rock star in the big mansion somewhere well that still exists for some of those big kind of corporate megastars and we often see stories about them and their lavish lifestyles but i can tell you that for most musicians and and most kind of middle realm musicians in other words ones that have been around a while that, and you would think of doing okay are actually struggling it's not what we think it is music is has um even more unfair to me it's like the new 1950s mm. you know when rock and roll was uh in its inception and musicians were getting ripped off left right and center you know signing away 
their music for the rest of their lives for a pittance because they didn't know any different. Well, that's what's happening now with streaming. Uh, do I think it can be uh, modified? Can it be uh, renewed? I, absolutely it can, but there has to be more transparency about how much money is actually being made. And and it has to, we have to think of this as being artist-focused, not industry-focused, and yeah. I can assure you it's still industry-focused. So, um, yeah, a lot needs to change. You've echoed everything that we was uh, last week on the show. We had Tipper Irie on, and uh, again, we, we asked the same question. You've echoed everything that he said there, so things do need to change uh, for, for artists to, to be able to make a decent living as well. So, but uh, Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about um, how people can find out more about yourself. Um, how can people sort of just just get all the information that they need and, and also find out about the music and, and how to get the music. Where, where can they contact you? So the best place to find me is on either my website, www.clarkbachelor.com. Um, and there's all manner of information there. And that's where you can also buy records and, and it will take you to where you can stream and download Shattered Dreams of Ukraine. You can watch a video there. And, and also the fact that every twice a month, uh, since lockdown, since the COVID lockdown, I've done a live stream on my own social media channels called Journey Songs. And um, that's every other Sunday. It's still going, very popular. A lot of the Journey Songs episodes are there on the website. Um, but really, you can find me on facebook.com forward slash Clark Bachelor Official and youtube.com forward slash Clark Bachelor Official. And that's a very good way to contact me because I'm quite active on those pages, as well as. Um, finding me on johnnyhjazz.com and all the Johnny Hayes Jazz social media channels. Um, I'm there as well. So I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a busy lad when it comes to uh, that side of things. You can find all the information you want there. And if you want to come and see Johnny Hayes Jazz, for example, perform live next year, um, you'll find information regarding that as well. Brilliant. And uh, anybody who does go on there, take a look at the Journey Songs thing because it is, I've learned so much just by watching uh, those episodes as well. It's fascinating. So, Clark, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Um, it, it's lovely to speak to somebody whose music that you've been playing for so long uh, and still today uh, so active in, in the music world. And, uh, and it, it's just nice that you're still here. So thank you so much for taking your time out uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, good luck in everything uh, that, that you do. And uh, the, the song is such a beautiful version of it, and we're going to play that uh, now. So have a great Christmas, and uh, hopefully we'll speak, thank to you. You, speak to you sometime again in the future. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for your support. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Cheers, Clark. Did you know that Nottingham Hospital Radio is a registered charity? As a result, we rely on people like you to donate to it. All our members are committed volunteers who run the service for the benefit and entertainment of the patients in the Queen's Medical Centre and City Hospitals. Research has shown that listening to hospital radio can positively benefit a patient's recovery, and we think it's a very worthwhile thing to do. Donating to NHR is easy and rewarding, so please log on to nhradio.org.uk and go to the donate page. That's nhradio.org.uk slash donate. You'll be glad you did. And thank you. Thank you.